Welcome to the Staying Ages podcast, a show that will equip you with the major keys to achieve extraordinary longevity. We are back for another season. This is your girl, Associate E, also known as Raw Girl. I am a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And today on the show, we'll be chatting about the African superfood, Fanyo. To get this longevity party started, I'm going to give you guys some background on the nutritional benefits of consuming Fanyo. And later, we'll chat with Pierre Latem, a chef specializing in West African cuisine and the founder of Yolele Foods. I am so grateful to have each and every one of you tuning into the show from all over the world. Shout out to listeners in Uganda, Mozambique, South Africa, the UK, France, Germany, Canada, Poland, and the USA. I appreciate you all. If the show inspires you, I'm inviting you to go ahead and subscribe and please rate the show on Apple Podcasts and write a review. It means the world to me to get feedback, so any reviews are much appreciated. If you follow me on Instagram, you know I love highlighting different African superfoods. And on today's show, we're talking about an African superfood that I just recently tried and fell in love with. This superfood is an ancient grain that is similar to quinoa or couscous and has been cultivated in West Africa for thousands of years. Fanyo. To be exact, Fanyo has been grown for over 5,000 years, making it the oldest cultivated cereal crop in Africa. Archaeologists have even found it buried in the tombs in the ancient Egyptian pyramids. Lord! Fanyo is grown throughout the savanna areas of West Africa, notably in Guinea and Nigeria. The crop is not cultivated outside of Africa and is capable of thriving in poor, rocky, and marginal soils. And it's a part of the millet family, actually having the smallest seeds of all species of millet. It has the potential to improve nutrition, boost food security, foster rural development, and support sustainable use of land. Researchers at my alma mater, Cornell University, in the Department of Global Development say that Fanyo could play a big role in improving food security in West Africa. While doing research on this amazing grain, I learned that there is white fanyo and black fanyo. Black fanyo is a similar crop. It's grown in several countries in West Africa, particularly Nigeria, Togo, and Benin. White fanyo also grows across the Sahel, which stretches across the south-central latitudes of northern Africa. The region is hot and dry, and the poor sandy soil doesn't support most crops. But this is where drought-resistant fanyo flourishes. Its extensive root system draws water from deep underground and secures the topsoil from erosion. Farmers in West Africa have always valued fanyo for its nutritional properties and its reliability. No matter what happens with the weather, even in a season where other crops fail, farmers can rely on fanyo. It's also quick growing and it's the first crop to be harvested in the growing season. Fanyo is one of the world's fastest growing cereals as it reaches maturity in as little as six to eight weeks. Fanyo is harvested using traditional methods. The plants are cut using a knife or a sickle and gathered into sheaves for drying. Processing the grain requires beating the dried plants to extract the grain and then dehulling the grain using a mortar. There's also an extensive washing process. Now, 
Let's talk about the nutritional properties of Fanyo. Fanyo is a grain that is vegan, gluten-free, it's high in dietary fiber, and the grains are often used to make porridge, couscous, bread, and even beer. It's packed with vitamins B1 and B12 in particular, a good amount of protein, 12 grams per cup, and it's rich in essential amino acids, methionine and cysteine, and mineral salts such as iron, calcium, manganese, zinc, phosphorus, and magnesium. It's also a low-calorie density food. One cup of cooked fanyo contains about 140 calories, compared to one cup of cooked brown rice, which has around 210 calories, and one cup of cooked quinoa, which has 222 calories. With fanyo, the cook needs never be ashamed, as the popular West African saying goes. Traditionally, fanyo is used to make porridge, acha, and is served for breakfast in Nigeria and the rest of West Africa. Acha is made by combining fanyo, water, milk. If you want to recreate this, ideally you would use a non-dairy milk and a dash of salt. You can also use fanyo in a salad as a replacement for bulgur and tabbouleh. You can use it in place of rice in a rice bowl or as a replacement for oatmeal or hot cereal. So versatile. It soaks up spices and sauces beautifully, making it a perfect base to just about anything. Just be sure to rinse and drain the fanyo grains first. You can even buy fanyo flour to use it as a replacement for flour in baked goods. Overall, this superfood has an exceptional nutritional profile, has a low glycemic index, is high in fiber, and is very digestible. Child, be sure to purchase this as a pantry staple. I know I have. All right, we're going to take a short break, and when we get back, We'll chat with our amazing guest for today, whose company has invested in developing new milling technology to increase the volume and quality of Fanyo grown, which will help reduce post-harvest loss, reduce the prices, and increase the availability of Fanyo in West Africa. Stay tuned. I am super excited to announce the launch of the new destination I created for online programs called Staying Ageless University. At Staying Ageless University, we create epic content to teach you about holistic wellness and transformational healing programs to help you achieve extraordinary longevity. We believe that learning is an essential component of healing and creating lasting change, and every one of our programs are created from protocols that I have tried and tested on clients who have achieved optimal wellness by following them. Our signature programs include Staying Ages 30 Plus, which is designed to help women 30 plus interested in staying fly till you're 99 or close to it, create lasting healthy rituals, and the all-new Raw Girls Hormonal Balancing Academy for women suffering with fibroids, PCOS, endometriosis, cysts, or menopausal symptoms if you're ready to use holistic means to take control of your hormones and get your life back. We also have two new programs that are amazing for New Year's Clean Starts, Detox Your Life, which includes 30-day plant-based detox, either raw or vegan, and Candida and Parasites Be Gone for those who are ready to kick Candida overgrowth or parasites to the curb for good. Enrollment is now open for three of our programs, and we officially launched January 1st, 2021. You can learn more about us and our program offerings at stayingagelessuniversity.com. Hope to see you in class. When I lived in LA, I was at the beach all of the time. (laughs) 
<laughs> the beach was my happy place. After going to the beach, I would always stop by this amazing raw food restaurant. They had the most delicious food, burritos, cinnamon rolls. I was obsessed. Fast forward to this year when I wanted to give myself a jump start on raw, I discovered that this amazing restaurant that I used to frequent had transitioned to nationwide delivery of fully prepared raw meals. It's called Raw Evolution, and for 20 years, they've been serving the finest and most vibrant living foods meals. They offer a raw box, which includes two fresh pressed juices, four gourmet entrees, four generous sides, and two delicious low glycemic desserts. The raw box is designed to provide one person with about four to five days of lunches and dinners. I also love that the menu changes each week, so there's always lots of variety. I get a lot of inquiries from listeners and clients alike who want to go raw and feel like it's not sustainable time-wise. If this is you, this is an amazing solution to get your raw jumpstart. Head on over to rawvolution.com and use the code RAWGIRL to receive a discount on your first purchase. Today's guest is Pierre Tem, a chef author, and social activist best known for bringing West African cuisine to the global fine dining world. He is the executive chef of the award-winning restaurant Knock by Alara in Lagos, Nigeria, and the signature chef of the five-star Pullman Hotel in Dakar, Senegal. He is also the executive chef and co-owner of Taranga, a fast casual food chain based in New York City. His company, Yolele Foods, advocates for smallholder farmers in the Sahel by opening new markets for crops grown in Africa, and its signature product, Yolele Fonio, is found in Whole Foods, Amazon, and other retailers across America. His newest cookbook, The Fonio Cookbook, was published in October 2019. His first two cookbooks, Yolele, Recipes from the Heart of Senegal, and Senegal, Modern Senegalese Recipes from the Source to the Bowl, were finalists for several awards, including the Julia Child Cookbook Award, the Gourmand Award in Paris, and the James Beard Award for the Best International Cookbook. Tem has cooked for the King of Morocco, French President Emmanuel Macron, and former UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon. Through his advocacy and many media appearances, he has become known as a culinary ambassador dedicated to promoting West African cooking throughout the world. His TED Talk, given at the TED Global in 2017 in Arusha, Tanzania, has been viewed over one million times. Tem sits on the board of directors of IDEO.org, SOS Sahel, Culinary Institute of Americans, African Cuisines, Advisory Board, and Corpse Africa. Hi, Pierre. Thank you so much for joining me on Staying Ageless. Hello. How are you? Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) I'm so glad that you came. So I am Nigerian-American. I was born in the States. But I've traveled a lot in Africa and I'm very, I'm a nutritionist. So I'm obsessed with African superfoods because people don't realize that African superfoods have a ton of nutrition. So I, I actually stumbled upon you and your amazing career just because I was writing about superfoods and somebody said, you should try Fonio. And then I was like, well, I don't know what brand to try or where do I find Fonio? And she said, you need to try Yolele. So I went and I bought like all the different flavors (laughs) and I try them all and they're amazing. So that's how I found you. But then I was like, oh my God, this guy has like this amazing career. Um, You like are basically brought West African cuisine uh, to fine dining. Like it wasn't really happening and you made that happen. 
tell us a little bit about your journey. Like, how did you become a chef in the first place? Oh boy, you sure you have time for that? <laughs> you can give me the abridged version. The abridged version was um, well, I was born in Senegal, and uh, I left Senegal when I was actually a student in physics and chemistry. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that's really how it started for me. I never even considered cooking as a career because. You know, I'm coming from a culture where the kitchen is for women and the guys, you just right. cook and wait for the good food to arrive, you know, a price point. <laughs> but uh, we also were quite aware of what good food is like, as you know, you know, West African cuisine. I mean, we take our food seriously, Senegal, Nigeria, you know. Yes. So I came to the U.S. with a student visa with a dream to continue my degrees in physics and chemistry. And uh, so visiting New York on my way to Ohio, I got stuck in New York. And that's a whole, <laughs> whole, a whole other story. But uh, but I got stuck in New York for a couple of decades now and, uh, and, and in the kitchen. Really, my first job happened to be a kitchen job. And uh, it not actually happened to be a restaurant job, but it was a busboy. I was front of the house. I was busting oh, wow. tables. And from busting tables... You know, my first cultural shock in the U.S. was to to find out that in that restaurant, there was not a single woman in the kitchen. It was only men cooking. So I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, what, what kind of world this is? You know, it's like men are cooking. And, and it was kind of wild. But those guys became my comrades, really, you know, because, you know, as a busboy, you take the empty plates into the kitchen and you get to hang right. out. They make you taste a few things sometimes if you're cool with them. And then, you know, you, you bring them a drink sometimes. So this friendship just started really with the kitchen guys and uh, particularly with a chef who, who who liked practicing his French with me. You know, I come from Senegal, a country that French speaking because of our past with those people. So, um, so we, you know, the French, the, the, the chef asked me to take extra shifts in the kitchen because he knew I wanted to make extra money. I was still planning to get out of New York and, and go to Ohio. So the extra shift in the kitchen turned out to be a dishwasher shifts. And he was like very encouraging. If not, I probably wouldn't stick around. But he was telling me how this is how he started. You know, it's like this is the the the, the real cooking school. You know, you start from the bottom up. And he was right, absolutely. Even today in my career, after having opened several restaurants, I still look for cooks who have started as a dishwasher. You know, because they 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 oh, come wow. with a foundational. Yeah, absolutely. They have a solid foundation and understanding and respect for for the dishes, really. So that's how I started, you know, from the bottom up, you know, from dishwasher, obviously, next thing you start peeling vegetables and peeling vegetables and chopping and tons and tons of those. And then you graduate to the garde manger, to the grill, to the saute, to all the different stations of the kitchen. And then at some point you become the sous chef. And this was over years, obviously. And uh, over years, I've moved from different restaurants, worked in Italians, worked in French bistros, worked in Americans. And then I, I just saw that there was something missing in, in New York City, the so-called food capital of the world. You know, these these restaurants I was working were all fine dining, great food. But I, I thought there was room for African cuisine presented the same way, you know, keeping its authenticity. And that's really how, you know, organically I started to add African food in uh, this restaurant where I had been promoted chef to cuisine. The restaurant was a boom in Soho and it was really popular. It was the mid-90s, and the restaurant was so popular that we opened a new location, and I was the one selected to run that location. It was in South Beach, Miami. It was supposed to be a winter job. And this is really where I started to add the flavors of West Africa and as a tweak on specials. 
and and they loved it you know the the the, the clientele were responsive and it turns to be uh, the mission of my life you know I thought I never looked back you know when the first review from a, a, a writer wrote about this dish that I had served there was a, a peanut sauce actually a vegan peanut sauce and uh, and that really just triggered something I never I really really started to get recipes from my mom and 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 putting them down and adjusting them I returned to New York studied the catering company and this catering company turned into my very first restaurant in uh, Brooklyn in Bed-Stuy uh, called Yolele that was early in, early 2000 and Yolele was a, a hit you know it was a hit because it was in an area of Bed-Stuy that never even considered having a sit-down restaurant with a wine menu and the whole thing and let alone an African restaurant. So it was quite pioneering. and uh, But it lasted four years because, uh, you know, it was just a great experience. And last four years in restaurant world in New York City is quite some time. Yeah, that's but, uh, like a But I wrote, my, <laughs> I wrote my first cookbook from Yolele and then opened my second restaurant, the Grand Dakar, in Brooklyn as well, in Clinton Hill. And, and next thing you know, I was asked to, to write a second cookbook from the same publisher. But I think I'm going ahead of the time right here. Can, did I, <laughs> I should let you so, talk a little bit. Talk to me about Senegalese cuisine. Like, what are the staples? In, I don't actually know that much. I know that there's a lot of similarities in West African cuisine. But Senegal specifically, I haven't been to. So I would like to know, like, what are the staples there? And well, let's start with that. What are the staples? Well, okay. Well, you see, all cuisines are, are influenced by the environment. So, and Senegal is a coastal country, and it's also located in an area called the Sahel, just south of the Sahara Desert. So it's very dry and arid. So unlike Nigeria, for instance, Nigeria, you have like fufu as a base, you know, of, of many of your dishes, fufu, amala, and all that. And you see it in many other countries of Africa. Senegal is really about the grains, which you also have in Nigeria. We we use a lot of grains like uh, rice, millet, fonio, sorghum. Mm. Those are the traditional grains that we use. The protein is mostly coming from the ocean because of our coastal mm-hmm. aspect, you know. So lots of seafood on the on the protein aspect. And vegetables, it depends of where you are. In the north, which is more dry, you have less uh, of uh, leafy vegetables that you would see in the south. But we use, you would see cassava, you would see... Uh, of course, carrots, uh, the, the, the simple, the obvious one, cabbage, eggplant is a big one too. You have different types of eggplants. You have the regular eggplant that you would call the globe here. You have bitter eggplants, you know, jacato in cold in Senegal. It's like a smaller one, looks like a tomato, green tomato. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so all those different uh, varieties appear in our in our menu, in our diet on a regular basis. And, uh, and, and nuts, you have like peanuts is a... Is is big in, in in our cuisine as well. Peanuts, you have palm nuts, palm oil. Palm oil is one of the things you see in the south of Senegal, which is a lush area of Senegal, where we use, you know, all the greens are very um, much a part of the diet there. You know, nothing goes to waste. You know, like cassava, then we use the cassava leaves. You know, sweet potato, mm. then we use the sweet potato leaves, and they make great mm. dishes out of it, and, and moringa too. So you have sweet potato and moringa leaves combined together with cabbage that makes an amazing sauce. You know, sometimes you add some smoked fish, traditional smoked fish in it, and that just adds the umami to it as well. But we also have a way to add umami with the, a vegan locust bean called, uh, we call it netetu. In Nigeria, you call it dawa dawa or iru. 
you know, and mm. those are strong. It's vegan. It's coming from a tree. The tree in Wolof is called Nere, from the Nere tree. So the fruit from that tree, after it's eaten, the seed is extracted and fermented. And with that seed, the fermentation of that seed really gives a very strong, pungent flavor that we add huh. to our sauces or to, to our different uh, stews. That really adds a, a very interesting flavor. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a lot. Because you did a lot of research. I, I listened to your TED Talk. It was fascinating. And you, you did a lot of research in Senegal, and then you stumbled upon Fanyo. Did you find any other like healing herbs or other things that you felt like were being neglected? Oh, yeah, there, there are plenty. There are a library of it, you know. That's just, um, mm. yeah, that, that's that's the sad part. And this is really why, you know, this, this crusade for Fonio and, and it's, it's just uh, the mission of my company, Yolele, is to bring to light those ingredients. You know, Fonio is just the, the Trojan horse, but our vision is to really get into underutilized crops that are not only sustainable, but good for you and and know would help diversify our diet there are lots of them there are lots of them that uh, uh, unfortunately some of them will disappear because they're not being used mm. Mm. so talk to us tell us about some of the benefits of Fonio why you enjoy why you like it and why you've um, even created a whole business around it what's so great about it well, you know, first as a chef, it's about the flavor. You know, it's like it's, it's, it it tastes delicious. I love the flavor. Yeah. I love the fact that it's very versatile, and it it it's really easy to adapt to so many different recipes. You can turn it into a porridge. You can turn it into couscous by putting less water. You can you know you can make flour with it and and bake with it. You know, mm. you know it's it's gluten free for so many people. That's something that's quite important. You know, I I respect the the the. The, the culture too, you know, Kojfonyo is the oldest cultivated grain in Africa. It's been around for 5,000 years. And Is and, it older than millet? Well, Fonyo is from the millet family. Okay. Yeah, Fonyo is, is millet. It's from, from the millet family. It's just a different form of millet, much smaller, much tiny, ah. much more delicate. Okay. Yeah, much more delicate. So Fonyo has also, it's, a, it's nutritious, you know, it's very, very nutritious. It's, uh, it has amino acids that are very... Uh, prominent, you know, two of them are in particular called cysteine and methionine. And those mm-hmm. amino acids are deficient in most grains, in most major grains. And, uh, and they're great for, for um, growth, human growth. They, they, you know, they are used, that's why, you know, in, in West Africa, where Fonio is grown, they, they serve it to children that are growing and, and to, to babies and to and and mothers that are also uh, pregnant ladies and expecting mothers and and just mothers that are uh, nursing their baby. So those are the uh, some of the properties of Fonio. Another one is that it has a low glycemic index, so it's highly recommended for uh, people who suffer from diabetes, for instance. You know, as long as you pair it with sources that are, that don't have a high level of sugar. So that's another one. Um, I can go on and on, you know, it has very low caloric um, uh, uh, protein as well, crop as well. Um, it has a good amount there? of protein too. It has like yeah. 12 grams of protein in like a cup or yeah. something like that. Yeah, so I was absolutely. like, I was impressed with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's, yeah. a, it's a great grain and it cooks in five minutes. It's really uh, not the, 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 the perfect. That's my favorite part. 
everybody's favorite part you can you can add it to your (laughs) menu in no time you know it's like it'll be ready (laughs) so anyone who knows me and then you know all of my clients i have a lot of most of my clients are black women they're very busy Mm -hmm. um successful women and they're trying to get their health together you know and so they're like, how can I do this in half the time? You know what I mean? So there's always trying to find like, you know, quick and easy recipes or you order this and it gets delivered, whatever. But the, the, the Fania was like, this is, this is genius. Like literally, do you have five minutes? Do you have <laughs> <Exactly>. five minutes. <laughs> you can make it happen. I was so, I was so excited when I tried it because, you know, sometimes people say it's five minutes, but it's not really five minutes. It's just <laughs> oh, like no, 10. It's even less than five minutes. How do you say it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but this was, this was true to the advertising. I was Absolutely. like, wow, look, it's done. It's finished. Yeah. Look, so amazing. So tell us a little bit about, uh, you started Yolele in 2017, uh-huh. and now I saw that you have like chips as well. You have, you're mm-hmm. selling Fanya with the different flavors, which are amazing, by the way. Thank How you. Did, did you formulate all of these separate mm-hmm. flavors? You're- yeah, I mean, the inspiration is from most of them, as you probably noticed, are from West African cuisines. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, we have five Fonio pilafs. We have uh, Fonio chips that we just launched. And, uh, well, the pilafs, you have the jollof, which is the most <laughs> the most famous uh, African dish, I guess, you know. Yeah. There's, there's a big war, and I guess we shouldn't start since you're from Nigeria. <laughs> Let's not start it now. <laughs> I'm not starting a jollof war with the chef. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> no, I'm good. And, and chef from Senegal, too. Huh? The, you know, jollof, <laughs> jollof originates from Senegal, so... <laughs> So you shouldn't start that. So anyway, I hear you. But I, I think it's a beautiful you. war. I, I love, I love this war. I love the fact that you know there's no killings in this war. You know, we just <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Know, yeah. So, but in addition to uh, the jollof, we also have the yasa, which is also a dish that's inspired by a Senegalese dish, uh, southern Senegal, with uh, accents of caramelized onion and acidity from the lime and heat from the chili. So it has like sweetness, sourness, and, and, and heat from the chili as well. We have uh, the, the greens, which is a... Uh, I love that one with moringa in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really good. It's really good. And we also have uh, green uh, chips as well. So we have green chips. We have the Afro-Funk, which has the fermented locust bean I was mentioning. The dawa-dawa. So it's a... Uh, they're all vegan, and and what else do we have? We have the green, the fonio, the the Dakar curry. The Dakar curry is also inspired by our ways of presenting curry in Senegal. We have our own curry, which is also obviously inspired by by curry spices, but uh, it's a Dakar way. So that was an odd nod to that. So those are our pilafs and the chips. We have plain salt chips. We have the yasa chips, so it's, you know, chili and lime. We have uh, the dawa dawa Afro funk. And uh, we have the greens. So those are the And then ones. if someone doesn't know how to work with it at all, we can get your cookbook, right? And get some That's tips. Right. That's right. That's right. My last, okay, cookbook, good. my last cookbook is dedicated to Fonio. And uh, all, all, all my cookbooks have, have uh, Fonio recipes, but uh, this last one is strictly dedicated to Fonio. It's the whole journey of Fonio. You know, I've traveled with a photographer and we spent time with the, the, the farmers, small farmers harvesting fonio, so you see how the women are doing it. It's like so it's a, a women activity for the most part. And uh, they first of all they're there on the field 
just singing to 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 motivate the the the, the young boys who are cutting the the, the phonio because it's all done by hand it's all manual it's amazing oh, wow. have these beautiful fields all covered with greens and it's, it's just amazing and the fact of that phonio is like it grows like widely really you know it's a it's a grow it's grain that's so easy to grow they 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 nickname it the lazy farmer's crop because <laughs> all you need to do is to throw the seeds and then the phonio would grow and so wow. that's and so when it grows the whole land is covered with this beautiful green uh, straws like that are just like just amazing stunning looking and you see these at harvest time these women you know how african women are dressed in colorful garbs and they yeah. just they are that day is joyful you know harvest is also a celebration you know so and they're clapping their hands and singing and the boys are cutting the for you and they're only cutting the top so it's just so, so great for the environment because they're cutting the top but they leave the roots on the ground and fonio is a crop that has deep roots so those roots are adding nutrients to the ground. So the end that restores the ground, that adds the topsoil to the ground. So that's that's the mm. aspect of fonio that's really fascinating. Because it's a grain that can grow in poor soil. And then as it grows, it regenerates the soil. So it's like a, a really a, wow. a, an amazing crop, yes. Yeah, see, my whole thing is like just just similar to like, you know, moringa and some of these other superfoods. It's like I don't understand why there's malnutrition in Africa because I feel like we're not looking at the right things. We have mm-hmm. all of the elements to grow crops and that are highly nutritious that can literally reverse malnutrition and we're just not using them as much as we yes. should be. Yeah, no, I believe it has to be intentional. You know, we have to just decide to switch this mindset you know we had this mindset that everything uh that's best is coming from the west you know and it is really it's coming from the colonial mentality that really you know trained us to 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 order you know even senegal you know we grow rice in the south but we still from the colonial time we still bring broken rice from vietnam because the french also colonized indochina which is vietnam now you know, and you see it throughout the continent, really. I mean, you still see importation of, of products. I mean, we import potatoes, we import, I mean, everything, sugar, oil. This is, this is I'm talking about the case of Senegal. It's really sad. And we look down at our own products like fonio mm. and millet and sorghum and all those, you know, we think they're like, uh, they're substandard. We think that's for uh, the country people. We, we, we tend to look down. And yet those are so much more nutritious and so much better for you, for your food security, because, you know, you have to depend on your own self and for your environment. You know, you support your agriculture, you support your land, you know, and and, and, and for your health. Because also yeah. when you look at these products that are imported, many of them are bringing, we're also importing diseases with them, you know. So, that yes. so many, so many ailments that we are suffering of are because of the food that we eat, you know, and most of that food that's imported, that's not grown locally, is grown in ways that are not ethical. And now we have yes. spikes of like, you know, ten- hypertension and cholesterol and, and diabetes, diabetes. And, and obesity, things that we didn't have back home in, in back in the days. Yes. You know, this is things that are, that were imported with the diet that changed. So so really it has to be intentional. We have to just decide, you know, to 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 promote those crops we have to educate people and and it will come you know it will come we, like i said we started fonio in 2017 
there was no distribution at this scale of Fonio back in the days. And, uh, you know, we started with one whole food store. And today we are distributed in all the whole food stores in America. We are distributed in more than that. We distributed in close to 1,000 supermarkets in America. We distribute it online, you know, with our own, you know, distribution, Yolele.com, of course, Amazon, Thrive Market, you know, Fresh Direct. So Good Eggs, you know, there's so many platforms that can distribute you now. So that's something, you know, know, that can happen with all these other crops and, and herbs that are good for you. And, you know, it's just that to entrepreneurs and, and policymakers, all of them have to just be intentional and decide to to, 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 to bring them to, to market. I love that. I love that so much. I agree. What would you like to see, I guess, in the next like decade for, for West African foods and cuisine, like your, your field? <laughs> oh, in the next decade, I would like to see it take take over you know and and it, sh- mm. it should it should take over because um first of all africa has 60% of the world's arable land so we we are destined to feed the planet so now mm. absolutely we the planet is going to be 10 billion people on this planet you know we have to feed 10 billion people in a way that's not going to destroy our planet destroy us because if we continue feeding ourselves the, the same way we have been doing for the past 50 years is uh, we're going towards a, a crash is directly for a crash because, you know, the monocultural system is really one of the great cause of what we talk about when you talk about climate change. When you see uh, the greenhouse gas emissions, 30% of it is caused by this monocultural system. Yes. It's, it's crazy, you know, and, uh, and, and, and the amount of water that's being used to grow our food 70% of the potable water of the planet is used to grow our food. So we need to get out of this uh, situation. You know, this is a situation that's not taking into consideration the environment because, you know, they're focusing on just the the shareholders' uh, profits, really. That's all it is about, you know, making sure that the land keeps growing the same crop over and over year-round. So do, to do that, you have to put some chemicals in the land and pesticides just to extract, you know, exploitation yeah. of the land without any ethic. And 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 those those products, you eat them and they they bring you health issues, you know, because you know they they have been uh, treated the wrong way from the beginning, you know, the, from the seed. So the, returning to the traditional way of African agriculture, which is the way we we traditionally do it with in rotation. You know, like the type of agroforestry that takes care of the land and allows the land to rest and allows the land to grow crops in season. You know, you have to make sure you allow the land to to breathe. So this is the type of agriculture I'm hoping in 10 years we would be supporting and we would be eating from, you know, and we need to be doing it again intentionally. It's not guaranteed because we have 60% of the land of the planet that we will be doing it the right way. Because we have to realize that in the other side, you have big agri that's also looking for that land. You know, they're praying for that land yeah. because they destroyed the land that they had already. This land, yeah. yeah. So well, that's that's a whole. You know, so that's that's a hope. That's what we're fighting for. You know, ten years is tomorrow, and it's a, it's an uphill battle. Yeah, no, that's all. This has been a really great conversation. I really appreciate your time. Where can people find you online and find Yolele and get some Vanya? 
Well, you can find me at piachiam.com, you know, or you can go on my uh, social media handle at Chef Piachiam. And uh, yolele.com is a company, my company that does the food products. It's teranga.com is my restaurants too. You can, if you're in New York, you can access to uh, either in Brooklyn or Harlem. You can have, have the fonio directly prepared for you there. So you have all those different ways. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Attention, superfood lovers. You all may know by now that my favorite African superfood of all time is Moringa. Why? Moringa has 92 nutrients and 46 antioxidants, and every part of the amazing plant can be used. I personally use Moringa oil on my face twice a day, and then I also use Moringa powder to add to my smoothies, make Moringa bread, or sprinkle on meals for added nutrition from an amazing company called True Moringa. Founded in 2013, True Moringa is creating jobs and community with their amazing skincare and wellness products. The coolest part? Every time you make a purchase from True Moringa, they plant a tree in your name. Yes, child, to date they have planted over 2 million Moringa trees to combat deforestation and malnutrition in Ghana. To check out their awesome products, visit TrueMoringa.com and use the code RAWGIRL at checkout for 10% off and free shipping over $20. Are you interested in living your best, healthiest life? I'm Asosa E, also known as The Raw Girl of TheRawGirl.com, and I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach who specializes in helping you discover what exercise and diet is best for your body and get to the root cause and rebalance if you have a serious chronic condition. Clients who've worked with me have reversed diabetes, hypertension, balanced hormonally, gotten rid of acne for good, and lost hundreds of pounds. If you are interested in reaching your health goals with some support this year, visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a 20-minute call with yours truly. Until then, stay healthy and happy. All right, it's time to take a question from Instagram or email. Remember, if you would like to have your question answered on the show, all you got to do is slide up in my DMs on Instagram at therawgirl or contact me via my website, therawgirl.com. Today's question is from Danielle via Instagram who says, how can I determine what foods I'm sensitive to versus what foods I'm intolerant of? Hi, Danielle. Thanks so much for reaching out. So in order to talk about this question, I think I have to break down food intolerances, food allergies, and food sensitivities, which are all sort of different things. So food intolerance refers to mostly the inability to process or digest certain foods. The most common food reaction that we all know of is lactose intolerance. As we get older, our ability to digest dairy generally also decreases, but that's because with age, our intestines make less of the enzyme lactase that processes lactose, a type of sugar present in milk and dairy products. As a result, we have more lactose sitting in the digestive tract, which can cause stomach bloating, inflammation, diarrhea, and also lead to serious health conditions. As I've talked about on this show, 75% of African-Americans are lactose intolerant. Gluten intolerance is another one that's more common these days and usually happens with those who have celiac disease. Now, food allergies are a more severe problem that happens when someone develops a true allergic reaction. Basically, in this case, you would have an overblown response. Your body's immune system would basically be responding to a seemingly harmless substance. In this case, it's a food. 
And the classic example is the potentially life-threatening difficulty breathing or low blood pressure following exposure to things like peanuts or seafood. Food allergies can show up at any time in our lives, even during older adulthood. If you think you may have a food allergy, considering allergy testing and treatment, especially if your symptoms are really severe. So if you're having significant rashes, feelings of passing out, if your face is swelling, if you're having problems breathing, you definitely want to take action on this. And also just make sure that you are reading ingredient labels very intensely. Now, let's talk about food sensitivities. After you eat certain foods, a certain part of the large population experiences symptoms that are not related to food intolerances, food allergies, or straight-up celiac disease, but these are referred to as food sensitivities. Although there is a controversy around what exactly happens in the body of someone with a food sensitivity, it appears that exposure to specific foods may create an immune reaction that generates a multitude of symptoms. These symptoms will not be life-threatening, but they can be quite disruptive and include joint pain, stomach pain, fatigue, rashes, brain fog, sometimes gastrointestinal issues. Gluten is probably the best known trigger of food sensitivities. The best tool we have to identify food sensitivities is a process of carefully observing and experimenting. You want to remove certain foods believed to cause reactions from the diet for two to four weeks. That's called an elimination diet. And you reintroduce them one by one and watch for the symptoms. And that's kind of going to help us pin down what might be causing the symptoms, okay? Um, A functional medicine physician or a nutritionist can provide guidance for undertaking an elimination diet and can help you understand the limitations and avoid possible pitfalls. Removing certain foods can also help stave off undesirable symptoms and improve the quality of life in the meantime. You can also do some testing. In my practice, we order allergy testing, different types. One is uh, IgG4 or IgE test, and these are to try to pin down the funding foods and substances. When you test for circulating IgG4 food antibodies, it's not diagnostic for a specific condition, but it indicates an immune response to the presence of food antigens. IgG4 antibodies are produced in a delayed hypersensitivity reaction, which can occur one to seven days after exposure to the offending food antigen. These kinds of reactions are really difficult to detect because there might not be an obvious association with the offending food. And there are certain conditions that are actually connected to or related to this IgG4 food antibodies, things like irritable bowel syndrome, certain GI symptoms, Crohn's disease. We also test for IgE food antibodies, which is useful for individuals who suspect that food is responsible for causing their symptoms. So you're sure food is messing you up. And if you have symptoms like hives or red itchy skin, stuffy or itchy nose, sneezing, teary eyes, vomiting, stomach cramps, diarrhea, swellings, shortness of breath, wheezing, anaphylaxis, any of those things may warrant testing IgE food antibodies. I really hope this helps you. All right, y'all, that is all she wrote for today's show. I hope that today's episode gave you some awareness about Fanyo, a superfood you've likely never heard of. Today, I'll leave you with a Gambian proverb that I hope you'll remember as you make your diet and lifestyle choices this week. Before healing others, hear yourself. (laughs) 
It definitely, definitely is my story. Well, that's all for today, sis. If you're looking for more health tips or have a question for the show, find me on Instagram at The Raw Girl. You can also find me and contact me through my website, therawgirl.com. For more on the show or to listen to past podcast episodes, visit stayingagelessshow.com. To watch the video versions of our podcast, go to youtube.com backslash The Raw Girl.